Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, thank you for joining us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. I'm John Russell. I'm the host, and I do my best to corral Pastor Frank Friedman. And Frank, we had a really fun time last time talking about the verses in Scripture that discuss the will of God. So you've got about one minute to summarize everything we've talked about for the past two episodes. Well, God's will is not secret. That's probably the best way to say it, John. Unfortunately, this is not taught in a lot of churches. The will of God is viewed as some great mystery that we have to search for. But God in his word says, understand what my will is. And he's given us seven different will of God statements that we are saved, made whole, have the spirit of God back inside of us. We're set apart from the world, set apart to God's spirit-filled, controlled and guided by him, serving one another as that life of a sacrificial life of Christ comes out of us, submitting ourselves to others and doing it all the while in great thanksgiving to God. Boy, it doesn't get any better than that. And that's all the good news. But I think we've got some other news coming today, don't we, John? (laughs) Well, you know, as, as, as we've talked about these, I like the will of God to be saved. That's great. And the will of God to be sanctified. That's great. Out of that, I offer my thanksgiving. He wants me to be spirit filled. That's his will too. And then it gets a little tougher. We're Mm -hmm. to live sacrificially. You know, that's a little tougher to take. The -hmm. next one that's even tougher was submit to every authority. But my Mm -hmm. friend, the last one, number seven on our list is that we suffer. Now, there are lots of verses I could have chosen, but I picked just a couple. The first one is 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. For all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let me bundle that with Philippians 1, 29. It's been granted to us. I like that word granted because it's charizomai. It means Mm. graced. It's been Mm. graced to us that we should believe in him and also suffer. So, wow, Frank, suffering and grace in the same verse. What's Mm. going on here? My goodness, John, I don't think you would hear that taught in a lot of churches in America. I think we like to... uh, really think positively and but it's almost done to the point of turning god into a mr rogers and the world into his neighborhood and it's just not true we live in a mean world a very unkind world jesus said we're going to have tribulation and i couldn't help but think john but when you quoted that verse from timothy he didn't say all who live godly 
He said, all you got to do is desire to live godly and persecutions come in your way. And by the way, for the Holy Spirit to say, this is a gift to you, a grace to you. My goodness, John, I think this is one of the ways we know God wrote this book and not man, because this is not a way to win friends and influence people and build a crowd. When Jesus taught things like this, the crowds dissipated. They quit following him. They said, these are hard words. And it's interesting, John, but Jesus didn't change his message. He didn't run after the crowd and say, wait, you didn't hear me correctly. Instead, he turned to the 12 and said, are you leaving too? This is what it means to be light in a dark world. This is what it means to have the life of God being expressed in a world system that lies under the power and authority of an evil one. There's going to be conflict, and we're at the front lines if we're believers. That's right. And the last thing our enemy wants is for us to walk in the will of God. All of these things we've been talking about, uh, he'd prefer, since he can't take us back, we can't go back to the kingdom of darkness and become his children again. The next best thing is for us to be on the sidelines. And mm -hmm. as a former football player, uh, you know what it's like to be on the sidelines, mm -hmm. just out of the action, not mm -hmm. making an impact on the play, not determining who wins or who loses when you're on the sidelines. So that's what he wants, Frank. So this really captures more so than all the other verses we've looked at regarding the will of God, this one captures an aspect of warfare. Mm. Because, of course, we're all going to suffer because we live in a fallen world. Things happen. We get sick, our roof leaks, you know, windows break, all kinds of things happen. But there's a second level to that, and that's when we kind of get in the enemy's crosshairs. And when Paul told Timothy, this is his last letter, 2 Timothy, mm. that he used the word persecuted. Paul at this point was in prison in Rome, fixing to get killed. He mm. knew his time was over. And so he's warning, you are going to be persecuted. Your decision for Christ is going to have a cost to you. And it's going to come in lots of ways. It may not require you to be killed, but it will require you to suffer. Because indeed, mm. my friend, that's the way our older brother Jesus lived. He learned obedience by what he suffered too. So this is a model that is frankly not very attractive to many believers. And it's going to make many people cringe. In fact, it makes me cringe a bit. Mm. I can read the plain truth of scripture. But when it says, I am to trust my father when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. And I may not even be walking, Frank. I may be crawling on my hands and knees through the valley of the shadow of death. But I am to trust him because what I'm experiencing, this suffering, is a gift granted from his hand. Wow. Talk about mm. a present wrapped in dark paper. Ugh. Mm. And, and, you know, John, I was looking. You, you mentioned the epistle of Peter in First Peter 3. Peter writes, it's better, listen to the language, if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right. I mean, it's one thing to suffer when you do something wrong. I mean, that's that's natural. That's normal. That's a consequence. It's expected. 
but to suffer when you're doing right. And, and the way he puts it, God wills this. It's very important that we teach the whole counsel of God, John. I hear a lot of people out there turning this Christian journey into a cakewalk, into a float through this world. It's nothing of the sort. You quoted Hebrews 5, I believe, that our, our big brother Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Well, if that was true for him, and who's the master, and the servant isn't above the master, then it's going to be true of us. And a lot of people would say, well, how did he learn obedience? What's that mean? Well, that word obedience is hupaku. It means to listen under. He learned to listen under his father's voice. He learned to live dependently. He learned to live in submission when he didn't understand as a man what was going on with him. So, John, like you said, it's all over. In fact, Paul said, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. And John, I think so many times we get focused on our identity as saints and in our identity as children of God that we forget we're soldiers and soldiers are in a battle. And when people are in a battle, they get wounded sometimes. That's right. When I think about Paul's brief description of his experiences in Second Corinthians, mm. uh, and I think about shipwrecks, stones, snake bit, cold, hungry, abandoned by his colleagues in fear of death and despairing even of life and fear of robbers. That doesn't sound like a float. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like a Pollyanna at all. Mm -hmm. It sounds like real life in the trenches with Paul clinging to his older brother because He's in the valley of the shadow of death, and there's a rod there, there's a staff there, and when you're in the valley, you desperately need those. In fact, maybe that's the trick to suffering, Frank, that we'll never really know how much we desperately need our Father until mm. we are in that valley. Mm. Faith is born out of need, John. I think, like you say, the more the hardship we're forced to depend on God. Faith is a almost like an option in a prosperous society. All we've got to do is go to the cupboard, go to the gas station and fill up the tank, pull out the credit card. In a prosperous culture, faith is difficult because we have so many resources at our fingertips. But when a culture is wondering where its daily meal is going to come from. It forces one to look to other than themselves for even the ability to survive. And, you know, John, it's an interesting thing, but we all love being conformed to the image of Christ. Boy, that's a great thought, conformed to peace and joy and holiness and righteousness. But I think we forget sometimes that he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And if we're really going to be conformed to his image, we're going to be men and women who are acquainted, deeply acquainted with sorrow and grief. You say, well, why would that be? Well, I think, John, the world is really hurting. And when we come to them with this silly 
Christian smile and Christian cliche, the world looks at us and they can't relate to us. But when we come to them with tears and, and grief, the world will look at us and say, hey, they live in the same world I do, yeah. but they've got something I don't have. Amen. And then they'll ask what we have and we Amen. can give them Jesus. Yeah. Now, listeners, there's a lot more Frank and I can talk about when it comes to suffering and the will of God, suffering that our Savior experienced and why we suffer. But I'm going to ask you to hold off on that because the very next series that Frank and I will do is on suffering. And we're going to unpack these thoughts a little more. So hang in there a few more episodes and we'll get to it. But Frank, I want to wrap us up now for these thoughts on the will of God. And there are so many verses that mention the will of God, but all these seven thoughts that we laid out, Frank, they tell us the same thing. Mm. Uh, you know, that we get saved, that we know him, that we thank him, that we live sacrificially, that we serve, that we suffer, that we submit we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I love that word, cooperating mm. with the Holy Spirit as he fills us to completion. In other words, Frank, the verse that pops into my mind is that you already mentioned it, Romans 8, 29, that we are conformed to the image of his son. And Frank, this is the will of God, that we mm. are conformed to his image. Wow. Mm. And so that is so shockingly different from what we hear in the modern church, because mm -hmm. I want us to change gears a little bit here and talk about what's not on this list of the will of God. Notice, Frank, there's nothing about which job to choose. There's nothing about which person to marry. Nothing about whether or not to have kids or how many kids to have. Nothing about which car you should buy, which house you should buy where it should be, and the list goes on. And this is where most people spend their time looking for the will of God. They get mm -hmm. stuck there, Frank. They look for specific instructions, choices, next steps. But we saw nothing like that mm -hmm. in these seven thoughts about the will of God, did we? No, John. We are not puppets. We are not robots. God made us as people of choice. We are choosers. If you look back to the Garden of Eden, the very first day, Adam was given a choice. And so we were made choosers. And if you look at every one of those seven statements of the will of God, they all involve a choice to make. Now, once we've made those choices and continue to live choosing those things, we are living in the sphere of God. And so you made the choice to be saved. You chose the Savior. If you're choosing to let the Spirit guide you and you're walking in submission and you're serving, living a life of sacrifice and you're Spirit-filled and you're set apart and you're living in thanksgiving for all that God has done, here's the key. You are already in the will of God. Well, then you mentioned some things, John. Which car should I choose? Well, that's up to you. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean? Well, God loves you. He likes you. He believes in you. And he's given you life. So go live it. So the will of God is your default mode. And you just go live. You don't sit there wondering, am I in the will of God? Am I in the will of God? <laughs> that would be focusing on yourself. Just go live. And he'll stop you. 
if he needs to. So let me just give an illustration, John. It's if I have the freedom to buy whatever car I want. So I go to God and I say, Lord, I'm going to buy that Honda. But God would say, Frank, that's a great choice. And by the way, I'm going to use that Honda to conform you to the image of Christ. I come back the next day. I said, well, Lord, I changed my mind. I'm going to buy the Toyota. He's going to say, that's a great choice. I'll use the Toyota to conform you to the image of God. John, I have found that most people don't like that kind of freedom. No, they don't. They'd rather be told what to do. But the root of that is fear. Fear that I'm going to make the wrong choice. And John, perfect love casts out fear. And if you really understand how big God is and how good God is, even if you make a wrong choice, I buy that Honda and the engine blows the next day. God's got that. He's going to use it in my life to shape me into the image of Christ. So even if I make a wrong choice, it's going to end up being really good and fruitful in my life because of God. You know, one of the best explanations I've heard was by our friend Malcolm Smith, longtime mm -hmm. ministry friend, Unconditional Love Fellowship. Give a shout out to, to Malcolm. And he says this. He says, God's plans for you they aren't really set in motion until you choose. When your kids were little, they had these books called You Choose the Ending. So you read mm. chapters and the character can go A or go B. So you choose A and something else happens. That's kind of the way it is with God. He's mm. not locked into a path. When you choose, God is so immensely flexible that he responds to our choices. And in our choice, he does what he always does. He loves us. He restores us. He redeems us. He honors us. And so many people will get paralyzed looking for the one path. How many times, Frank, have you heard people say, well, I'm mm. looking for God's perfect will for my life. What they want is the path. Mm. Uh, you know, they want to walk by sight. They want to know the future. And as you said, that's fear. That's control. That's walking by sight. That is not trusting their father. Jesus died to make them free. So dad coming, be free. Enjoy your freedom. Explore it. You have a giant safety net beneath you, like a trapeze artist. You have mm. a giant safety net beneath us that if we don't make the choice that works out best, guess what? We just start mm. all over again. Father, father will pick us up, dust us off, stand us up and say, go get him, tiger. Mm. And, you know, John, having that safety net under us, as Juan Carlos used to say, it gives the trapeze artist the courage to be creative and to try new things, bigger things and uh, see, attempt greater things and, and eventually pull a lot of them off. And so the world looks and goes, ooh, ah, but it was only because the safety net was there. John, as I was listening to you, you know what word popped in my mind? What's when that? we walk in those seven things, which incidentally, seven, God's into the number seven. That's the word of perfection. That's interesting. So when you do those seven things, you're in the perfect will of God. It's an adventure. That's the Christian life. It's a great adventure because we step out and attempt and find God in our attempts. We find him in our failures. 
And what a great way to look at the Christian life. We wake up every morning and say, well, I don't know what's in store, but I'm in your will. And this is going to be fun, God. It's an adventure, John. Yes, uh, it is. You know, a great word. It truly is. Now, I've got one more thought I want us to tackle today, my friend. And we've talked about all these seven great statements about God's will. But I want to come down and ask the question that inquiring minds always want to ask. And mm. that is, how? How do mm. we do this? And I want to spend just a few minutes talking about how do we engage all these things? And of course, the Psalms have a lot to say about this, but I picked one that happens to be my favorite. Psalm okay. 37, verse 4. And mm. uh, the psalmist writes this, yeah, I hear your hum because you know where I'm going. <laughs> it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, God is not a giant vending machine, mm. but the emphasis of this verse focuses on the word delight. Now, in English, Frank, that means ecstatic, jubilant, excited, but that's not the idea in Hebrew. Mm. This word, my friend, comes from a root that means soft, pliable, mm. delicate. And as I tracked down this word even more, I started looking at what this word means in Arabic. And as you know, mm. Arabic and Hebrew are very similar. All the Semitic languages are. And in Arabic, this word suggests the amorous embrace between lovers. Mm. Wow. So mm. this is the instruction. Be warm, soft, pliable, delicate, responsive to the Lord. And when you do mm. that, he will respond in kind by placing in you the desires of your heart. Wow. How mm. simple is that, my friend? It's funny when you talk, I just get these thoughts popping into my brain. It's all reduced to love. The Ten Commandments, the first four were love God. The second six were love people. In the New Testament, Paul said love fulfills the righteousness of the law. It just comes naturally. So this is all about relationship. It's about cultivating a relationship with God. And the two hearts become so intertwined that you want really what the other wants. This is really, John, what happens in a marriage when two people grow more and more intimate with each other. They start really to view life in much the same way. We get a picture of it among human beings that leads us to the greater reality of, of us with our creator. You know, John, I had this thought listening to you. In Peter's ordination, you know, in John 21, you mentioned it, I think, last podcast, around that fire, three failures, and Jesus asked him three times, and Peter responded, yes. The question every time is, do you love me? It was interesting. I got asked a lot of questions at my ordination. I got asked about infralapsarianism versus supralapsarianism. <laughs> you know, I got asked about uh, reform theology. I got asked about church history. No one asked me, 
do you love Jesus? Ooh. And Jesus asked it three times of Peter. Yeah. It's really the question that, that should be asked at every ordination so that the shepherds can lead the sheep into the same question and answer. The will of God is wrapped up in loving Jesus and experiencing his love. And then his will will just flow naturally out of that union that you have with him. Yeah, It's not hard, John. The will of God is not hard. It's all wrapped up in intimate love. Amen. It certainly is. And so I know the listeners have been waiting now for three episodes or four episodes, I guess. Now, tell me the secret to know God's will. Well, this is it. Pursue intimacy with your father. Cling to him. Take everything to him. Every care, every thought, every struggle, because he cares for you. Bring it all to him and then let him live his life through you and you you will walk in a miraculous relationship with him in which you want what he wants how cool is that my friend you're crying what's going on just just reflecting on all of that you know it just it puts you to tears i don't i want to put it in just a catchphrase but i really hope it doesn't come across as cliche but i want to put it so simply Love God, love people, and do whatever you want. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's all going to be motivated by love. That's right. That's the will of God, John. That's right. And remember the, the kitty verse from kindergarten, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. You know, my friend, that is true. <laughs> that little kitty verse is really true and augustine had it right love god and do what you will wow all right my friend you got a few minutes wrap us up oh i think we just did (laughs) (laughs) oh don't make the will of god more difficult than it is receive his love love him love people and just go live Don't take yourself so seriously. Just go live from that union. If he wants to change your direction, believe me, he'll get your attention. The will of God is yes until he says no. That's right. And if you're afraid of missing God's voice, guess what? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So you'll hear him. Don't worry. Just trust him. Well, friends, this has been a really powerful series on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. We certainly trust our Father has ministered to you as much as he has ministered to Frank and me. If he has, please check out our website. You'll find us on ourresolutehope.com. Lots of resources there. Please check us out. Drop us an email. Sign up for our newsletter. Let us know if what we're talking about has really strumming a chord in your heart. And also follow us on all our social media platforms. You'll find lots of resources there, all leading you to the face of Jesus Christ. And once again, we close with this very same reminder from Hebrews 6, that we have a hope 
as an anchor for our soul. Peter calls it a living hope in his first epistle. Frank and I call it a resolute, a steadfast, an immovable, a bedrock hope. Paul calls it a blessed hope. So today and always, choose that hope, because that hope is Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.